And so uh, coming into QSO, uh, what was the mandate? Yeah, the, look, the mandate was really to do what I did, I'd done at Wazo. Right. You know, uh, in many ways it was uh, the uh, the challenges at, at QSO are, are, are the same as when I joined Wazo. You know, it's uh, there's been a lot of, of uh, change at the CEO mm-hmm. uh, level. Um, mm-hmm. So it was really about making sure that I uh, to create some stability mm-hmm. uh, and to provide strong leadership to mm-hmm. the organisation. Welcome to the Arate Podcast, the podcast created to help senior executives and the organisations they lead live up to their full potential. Join us for cutting-edge interviews with leading senior executive and board members across all industry sectors and for practical tips to accelerate your executive career. And now, here's your host, Richard Triggs. Well, hello everybody and welcome along today to the Arachate Podcast. Today's guest is Craig Whitehead. He is the very recently appointed CEO of the Queensland Symphony Orchestra. And uh, I really enjoyed this conversation with Craig. He was born in Brisbane and uh, had a love of sport as a, uh, a young man but uh, really desired a career within the arts, uh, originally pursuing a career as an actor and then moving into management roles, which saw him uh, working in Brisbane and also in Western Australia. And uh, I find people who are working in this space very fascinating because it's complex enough running a normal commercial business, let alone one where the lion's share of your employees uh, artists with artistic temperaments and uh, you know culture is such an important thing in these organizations and we Craig and I talk a lot about culture and you know the the ways that he has uh, improved and led ch- culture change uh, really fascinating so I'm sure you'll enjoy that uh, before we get to that though let me briefly introduce myself to those who are unfamiliar with the Arate podcast my name is Richard Triggs, and I'm the CEO and founder of Arate Executive, and we are an executive search or headhunting company. We're based in Brisbane, but we work with our clients nationally, and uh, we recruit all types of leadership roles across role family, across industry, and across location. And if you have any vacancies in your team or anything coming up that I could potentially assist with, we'd love the opportunity to have a chat to you. Anyway, sit back now and enjoy this conversation with Craig Whitehead. Well, hello, Craig. Welcome to the Arate Podcast. Thank uh, you it's very fantastic much. to have the opportunity to chat to you because uh, a couple of years ago I uh, had the pleasure of interviewing your predecessor, David, and uh, and obviously he's uh, returned to the US. I mm. understand. Mm, that's right. Yes. Right. Okay. Great. And so, uh, for those people who are listening in, why don't we start with just tell us a bit about your current professional responsibilities. Yeah, uh, thanks very much. Uh, uh, I'm the Chief Executive of the Queensland Symphony Orchestra and QSO is the, the largest performing arts company in Queensland. Um, I manage a, a staff of about 115 people, including okay. 80 full-time musicians and right. with a responsibility to deliver uh, concert programs not only in Brisbane mm-hmm. uh, but also to make sure that the QSO as a state symphony orchestra gets out into the regions as sure. much as possible. Okay and when you say it's the largest mm. by what definition? Uh, by pretty much every definition by turnover um, by uh, the, by number of employees um, by uh, numbers of performances and programs and, mm-hmm. and, and audiences. Okay great and um, 
Uh, I understand that obviously as a CEO, there is an artistic director that you must work closely with, mm. but how, how do you delineate in this kind of organisation what is CEO responsibility and what is artistic director responsibility? Yeah, look, it's a, it's a really interesting uh, question, particularly within an orchestra, orchestral context. Mm-hmm. Uh, our music director, Alonja, uh, is uh, based in, in Europe. Um, so her time in, in Brisbane is, is quite limited. Mm-hmm. Uh, so really, uh, I kind of take on some of those more day-to-day right. uh, management of, of the artistic program. Mm-hmm. Alondra is obviously very, very involved, and, and, uh, and we cherish her involvement in that, uh, but it's difficult for her to be uh, managing uh, an artistic planning team on a day-to-day basis, so I take on that responsibility and work closely with our artistic planning uh, team to to mm-hmm. develop the programs and mm-hmm. to select the the conductors and the artists that we're going to use on a on an annual basis. Okay, right. And uh, it's quite an unusual situation that the musicians, are, uh, although being musicians and as a sort of a part time slash aspiring musician in the past myself, mm-hmm. uh, it's a it's a unique environment to actually come into an orchestra where you're actually on a salary and you know the salary mm. is part of an EBA and uh, you know that's sort of what we, people regard as a musician's um, uh, identity and personality type but within a fairly sort of uh, structured environment that must um, create some interesting challenges. Yeah look absolutely uh, you know I think uh, 80 creative uh, individuals uh, and, and I think um, orchestras are, are a fascinating kind of microcosm of, of, of society in, right. in some ways and, and a really interesting study on, on communication and, and leadership. Mm-hmm. You, know, you have 80 musicians who are all you know, amongst the best of what they do in the world um, and they uh, come together and, and prepare for each uh, concert program uh, independently and individually at home mm-hmm. uh, in preparation for the first rehearsal mm-hmm. and then they get to the first rehearsal and you essentially have 80 people who have come with a slightly different interpretation sure. to the way in which they're approaching the music mm-hmm. um, and then they need to in some way very quickly and, and that's the great you know, great uh, skill of a, of a conductor is being able to uh, pull together those 80 disparate mm-hmm. souls mm-hmm. and disparate views and to find a common direction mm-hmm. uh, to create uh, extraordinary art. And is it likely we see in the movies where the conductor gets cranky and throws things around the room and all that stuff or is it a bit different in real yeah, life? Yeah, look, that, look, that's very much the old style <laughs> uh, maestro uh, uh, approach and, the, right. and, and uh, my understanding is that that was very much uh, the case with the, with the greats of the, of, right. of the past. Uh, now it's very much more about a collaborative approach yeah. to it. Um, you know, I think there's an understanding around emotional intelligence much sure. more, and yeah. and the way to, to to better motivate people mm-hmm. uh, is not through fear, but through a common purpose. Right. And one of the things I'm always interested about, and we're kind of segueing a little bit here, is um, the idea of building a brand as an employer of choice. Mm. And I imagine that for world class musicians, literally the world is their oyster. Yeah. So how how do you build a brand as an employer of choice to keep either attract or retain those people mm. here in uh, you know sunny old Brisbane? Yeah, look, absolutely, and it's about the the, the artistic life that, that 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 they are able to have. Uh, certainly, there are some significant benefits from a lifestyle point of view of living in Brisbane. Yeah, uh, great place to bring up family and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know, relatively in, from a world context. Uh, 
uh, a relatively cheap place to, 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 to live and to bring up a family mm -hmm. uh, compared to some of the other options around sure. the world. Yeah. Uh, but really, it's, it is about the, the, the variety of work that they're able to do. It's mm -hmm. about the quality of conductors and soloists that they get to work with. It's mm -hmm. about the calibre of musicians uh, that, are, that are also involved in the, in the organisation. Uh, but also, it's um, you know, my responsibility as CEO is to ensure that there is a, the culture uh, for the continued development of the musicians mm -hmm. and they can feel like they're continuing to grow and to improve as musicians, mm -hmm. uh, but also that they are valued and respected by, mm -hmm. by the organisation for what they do and what they contribute. Mm -hmm. And so do people generally, um, during their career, move around a lot or is it often the case that they'll join an orchestra and, and stay for life? Look, it's a combination. I, th I think increasingly this, the next generation of musicians who are coming through are, are looking at uh, are much more um, interested in moving and, and having a variety, uh, a variety within their artistic life mm -hmm. than perhaps the previous generations. And mm -hmm. you know, we have some, some wonderful musicians at the QSO uh, who have been with the orchestra for 20, 30 years. Uh, and I think that that will continue to be probably the, the dominant um, okay. uh, uh, track record where people get into an orchestra. And to be honest, you know, we're, it's incredibly hard to get into an, to get a job in an orchestra. I bet. Uh, so that you know, in in an Australia, there's probably 500, 600 mm. uh, available places, mm -hmm. and each year there are hundreds more than that who are just being. Um, graduating from the conservatoriums around the country. Mm, sure. So there's a huge amount of demand. So I think uh, once. Uh, musicians get into an orchestra for many it's their absolute dream job right and they can't think of imagine doing anything right. else uh, and away they go uh, but for others I think there is a there is a, a need for that continued variety like sure. anybody else yep. um, and particularly those who are at the very top of their of, of their game and, and have great aspirations mm -hmm. and, um, and you, you see those who are making the venture into the UK and, and mm -hmm. US orchestras. Mm -hmm. Okay, great. Well, we'll come back and talk more about mm. QSO in a moment. But uh, why don't we go back to, uh, you know, tell us a bit about your early life, where you were born and mm. mum, dad, brothers and sisters, etc. Yeah, yeah, grew up in, uh, uh, born in Brisbane. Okay. Um, grew up in Stafford. Oh, okay. Uh, yep, uh, mum and dad, and I've got an older brother and an older sister. Um, pretty standard kind of upbringing, um, very sports-focused. Uh, right. Through that, not a not an arts, uh, uh, particularly arts family at all. Um, kind of the only one who kind of strayed into this particular right. particular field. So, what was sport of choice? Uh, look, I played uh, uh, during a, during my adolescence. Um, uh, Monday night was uh, a typical week. Was Monday night was uh, was te tennis training. Right. Tuesday night was the football AFL training. Right. Uh, Wednesday night was tennis fixtures. Thursday night was football training. Uh, Saturday I played football and Sunday I raced motorbikes. Aha! Uh -huh. I'm sure your parents would have been glad when you got your driver's license. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so yeah. you're at school, you're playing sport, and mm. uh, you know at that point, you know what were you thinking you wanted to be when you grew up? Yeah, look for me, the first moment from a from an arts perspective was when I was in year two, and a and a, uh, a, a troupe of actors uh, singers came into my primary school. Right. And um, I can, it's one of my most distinctive memories of, of early, early primary school okay. and, and sitting in the auditorium and, and having these two performers performing and, and not really knowing what it was or, or what they would, but just kind of going, I want to do that. Yeah. Um, but not coming from an arts family, there was no kind of sense of, well, how, did, how does one do that? Sure. Uh, and my schools up until, uh, my, uh, up until year 11, uh, didn't offer uh, drama, okay. Uh, so it wasn't until year eleven that I was able to 
uh, you know, have my first taste of getting into into the arts and right. participating as an actor. Or as, as an actor, right? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So I did uh, I did drama in year eleven and twelve, and and then um, after school, uh, got into uh, auditioned and and uh, got into the Bachelor of Arts and Drama at QUT, yep. the Academy of the Arts there, and uh, with the view of becoming uh, an actor, right? Uh, which I did for you know, and, and uh, trained and, and graduated, and then worked as a freelance actor, right, uh, for uh, two or three years. After that, travelled to London and studied at the Actors Centre in London. Oh, fantastic! Uh, and so, were you doing on the stage or um, or film work? Or? Yeah, I did, some, did a few short films. Okay. Um, did uh, some te- television commercials, um, uh, stage work, and, right. And uh, in between time, kind of uh, got tired of waiting for the phone to ring, yeah. so I uh, decided that I would uh, start up uh, a thinner education company to try to generate my own own work and okay. own employment. This is in the UK? Or this, is in, this is back in Brisbane. So, so you've, you've come back, you yeah. go to the UK, you do some study there. Yep. Yep. And what, what's that famous school that the actors go to in Sydney, I think, that... Mel Gibson went to and so on. NIDA. NIDA. So were yeah. you ever attracted to going there? Or? I did, yeah. Look, I do. I, I auditioned uh, for NIDA and uh, and uh, got very close to uh, right to to it, but uh, never quite close oh, enough. That's a shame. Yeah. Do you think life would have been different if you'd gone there? Yeah, yeah, quite possibly. Although right. I, I think it's one of those things that are, that you you should only become an actor if you need to become an actor. You know, right. It's it's such a challenging, difficult life, and you know, and I've seen. Uh, Actors who are far, far more talented uh, than than I uh, ever was or ever could have been, who mm. who have struggled, and you know, and I use the example of Jeffrey Rush right. as an example, who yep. was, um, for all intents and purposes, a a, a successful stage actor mm-hmm. uh, in Sydney uh, prior to to uh, um, you know him suddenly becoming a, a star yeah. um, in the in the movie. Um, and winning the Academy Award, but before then he was been a job. He was a jobbing actor in Sydney, probably doing two or three uh, plays a year in Sydney, right. maybe making twenty twenty five thousand dollars a year. Wow. Um, and then suddenly he, you know, he he had his his uh, his, his big break, mm-hmm. uh, won an Academy Award, and and then developed a career sure. as a result of that. Yeah. Uh, and There's he, a long time to wait, as you say. Isn't exactly it? right, and he was already in his forties. And, right. and when he got the Academy Award, he dedicated to all those the jobbing actors, right? Uh, many of which are much more talented than sure. him, yep. who just didn't get the break. Right. Mm, okay. So back in Australia, mm. in Brisbane. Uh, back in Brisbane, yes. Yep. Yep. And you decided to start this uh, theatre education. Uh, Type business. Yeah, that's exactly right. Right. So, what was the intent of that? Yeah, look, it was, it was really fundamentally just to keep myself involved and 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 getting work. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I wanted to stay in Brisbane, but I wanted to be employed. Mm-hmm. Um, like all good actors, I was working as a waiter, uh, <laughs> but I wanted to do a little bit more of, of performing as well. Yeah. So, um, and spoke to some friends of mine who were drama teachers, and and just thought, you know, what's what's the gap in the market? Mm-hmm. What uh, what do you need that no one else is providing? Mm-hmm. Uh, and the curriculum back then was was Commedia dell'arte, uh, and uh, the plays of Bertolt Brecht. Um, so I took um, worked with a friend of mine, and we developed uh, some workshops, uh, Commedia dell'arte workshops, and. And uh, did excerpts of the plays of Bertolt Brecht okay. uh, in high schools around South East Queensland, okay. and it was you know high demand because the kids needed to understand and sure. see what was what what was part of the curriculum. And so, how long did you do that for? About three years. Okay. Yeah, um, and kind of discovered that I really enjoyed the the business side of the uh-huh. arts, and uh, at that point, kind of met my wife and saw uh, my now wife. And right. 
and uh, saw a future there and, and, and kind of made the decision that I didn't need to be an actor. Right. Um, that, but I wanted to stay within the arts and, okay. and kind of put my, my sights on getting into the, the management side of the arts. Right. And was that largely a financial security sort of decision? Yeah, yeah. Look, it was, and it was more of a yeah, and a and a lifestyle right. point of view. As I said before, you know, being an actor is is for every every famous Australian actor, there are you know ninety five percent of them that are unemployed at any oh, given sure. time. So I just wanted to to have a. It wasn't the life that I yeah. that I wanted to to yeah. have for myself. Yep. Um, so um, yeah, so I went back to QUT and did mm-hmm. a graduate diploma in in, uh, in business, um, and later an MBA and. Um, as I said, I was working you know, part-time as a, as a waiter and right. ended up getting an opportunity to, to move into hospitality in a management role. Okay. So I managed various restaurants, and including uh, being a part of the opening team at the, the Treasury Casino when it first right. opened. Yeah. I uh, managed a restaurant, a cafe and a bar, and, and um, you know, but the view was always to, 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 to uh, get back into, a, uh, into the arts in a, in a management role. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in 1998, um, I got uh, an opportunity to, to uh, become the general manager of La Boite Theatre Company, mm-hmm. uh, which is a company that I had performed at as an actor. Okay. Um, so it was a place that was very close to my heart. And, yep. and in a way, it was, it was kind of the, the vision that I had for the, the, mm. for the role as an arts manager was at La Boite. And mm-hmm. I um, was, was lucky enough to get the opportunity mm-hmm. to... Uh, at that job and and uh, was there f- uh, for eight years. Right, and uh, I, people I think have a sort of a romanticised idea about what it's like to work in that kind of mm. environment. But you know, as general manager of Blue White, you know, what would a, a sort of an average week look like for you? Yeah, look, it, it's a, you know, it was a really interesting time uh, at Le Bois and um, it was it had come for, for most of its life. It had been a a, a pro am uh, amateur and pro am company, and had been. For the previous three or four years, it had become a, a, a fully professional company, mm-hmm. uh, but still had meant very much a, a kind of an amateur mindset and, a, and an amateur uh, business model. So, mm-hmm. um, the first three years was really about trying to professionalise um, the, the, the the management structure and the and the marketing of the organisation and the branding of the organisation um, and the and the program and, and product offering that will be was there. So, an average day, an average week was. Was working across, you know, sponsorship and marketing, mm-hmm. and and building a relationship with the funding, the funding bodies, mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, setting the vision for the organisation, working with the artistic director on the selection of, of programs for for, mm-hmm. the, for the coming year, you know, the the the, the directors, the actors. Uh, so it was really across the entire organisation. Juggling lots and lots of balls. Exactly. Right. Exactly. And, and was it a fun job? It was absolutely. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And it was a particularly kind of uh, really interesting job from a growth point of view, and mm-hmm. uh, because it was almost like three different jobs um, in right. that eight-year period. As I said, the first the first period of time was about professionalising the organisation and moving it from its you know, its amateur and pro air mindset into a into mm-hmm. a professional company and mm-hmm. and growing it from there. Uh, then um, the state government uh, of the time uh, decided to redevelop Lang Park, mm-hmm. uh, which then which uh, is directly across the road from um, the old Labatt Howe Street site. Yep, yep. Uh, the two and a half kilometre parking exclusion zone that was going to be implemented, mm-hmm. the noise that was going to be generated mm-hmm. by the increased activity at mm-hmm. Lang Park, just made it very clear to us sure. that there was no future in in the Howe Street site. Uh, so the next couple of years was about. Uh, me working with government uh, and lobbying and negotiating mm-hmm. with government mm-hmm. uh, for them to uh, uh, relocate com- the company to new premises, mm-hmm. um, which they did. 
um, to the uh, Creative Industries Precinct at QUT. Um, and um, so that was a three-year lobbying right. and then um, project managing from the theatre's mm -hmm. point of view, the development uh, yep. and construction of the new, the new theatre, uh, then the opening of the new theatre, and then the, the last couple of years was, was that growth period of moving from a 200-seat a theatre to a 400-seat theatre, doubling the audience, mm -hmm. building uh, and real traction mm -hmm. um, within the community. Mm, okay. And so at what point did you think... Uh, it's time for a change. Um, had you sort of grown as far as you could in that role, or you know, got itchy feet? You know, uh, what happened to to make you move to your next opportunity? Yeah, look, it, it was that. It was you know, uh, it was time. Um, we, my wife and I, had two small children. Um, it was kind of felt like it was a good time for us to to make that move, and mm -hmm. uh, it was good. It was time for me to have the next challenge. I'd, had a wonderful uh, period of time at Lebois, but just felt like uh, I needed to to make a, a significant move in order to take myself out of my comfort zone, mm -hmm. uh, in order to make that that next leap and and and, and growth as a uh, as a leader. Um, so um, kind of looked around and uh, and an opportunity came up in Western Australia mm -hmm. uh, to run the, the the West Australian Opera Company, and and in my mind I was thinking, well, what I'd like to do, I'd like to stay in the arts, but I'd like to work in a different um, kind of genre of the arts, right. performing arts, uh, and I was quite. My, my wife and I were quite interested in in living somewhere else for okay. a period of time. Yeah. Um, so I remember it was a it was a Saturday morning and uh, reading the, the the Australian newspaper and there was this ad and I sort of looked at her and said, "There's a job in Western Australia." Right. What do you think? And she sort of said, "Yeah, sure, I'll go for it." Not thinking that I'd get it. And, right. And as it turns out, I did, and um, so we I moved the family. Um, from the other side of the country, mm -hmm. and uh, you may as well be another country, Perth. Pretty much, we've well, <laughs> just right. You know, if people say if you if you fly for five hours, you, you should you should have to show your passport right. at the other, at the sure. other end. And so uh, you went over there. I mean, were you passionate about opera itself, or yeah, it was something was that I'd been interested in. I'd right. had the opportunity through uh, uh, throughout you know through my time at, uh, at QUT mm -hmm. um, to attend um, the opera, the ballet, um, the symphony, and mm -hmm. and. Uh, and the theatre companies, as a matter of course, so right. it was something that I absolutely took advantage of. And uh, when I was at Labat, um, was lucky enough to be invited to opening nights of the of the opera. So it was something that I, I had grown to to really appreciate and, yep. to, and to enjoy. Right. Um, so really keen to dive into and learn about as much as I can about this new art form. Mm -hmm. um, and had a one had the, the, the great pleasure of of uh, working with Richard uh, Richard Mills, one of Australia's great. Uh, great composers and, okay. and opera composers at yeah. that, uh, who was the artistic director of right. uh, the West Australian Opera at the time. Sure. My dad was a uh, an opera nut. He's not alive anymore. And uh, so thousands of these box collections of operas, and he used to take us along to the mm. performances, my brother and I, and it'd be fair to say that we were probably not the right uh, target audience. <laughs> a bit too young to appreciate yeah. it. I haven't seen an opera for a long, long time, but... Mm. Uh, You've inspired me to go again, mm. and so therefore about two and a half years, yes, that's and right. then moved from there to the symphony. That's right. Yeah, right. I got the I got the uh, I got the tap on the shoulder from uh, uh, Janet Holmes of Court, uh, right. who was the chairman of the uh, the uh, West Australian Symphony Orchestra okay. at the time. And so uh, she headhunted you. Yes, yes. So right. uh, yes, not uh, unbeknownst to me, she would uh, her and uh, and the deputy chairman uh, Margaret Sears um, had been aware of me in, uh, in meetings that they've been involved in and, yep. um, and were very, um, and liked, you know, liked what I've, I, I had been doing at 
the, the West Australian Opera and um, yeah, so so the the job came up um, and I applied for it and um, it was um, a, a fairly quick process and, right. and um, yeah had the great the great pleasure of being appointed as uh, the chief executive of the West Australian Symphony Orchestra and there for ten years ten years wow yeah. that's a good tenure yeah indeed so when you look over that ten year period. Um, uh, you know, are there any particular key achievements that you'd hang your hat on? You'd say, you know, I'm really proud of this. This is part of my legacy that I'm leaving behind. Mm. Yeah, look, absolutely. You know, I think, um, um, you know, the way in which I, I left the, um, the the culture of the organisation, I'm incredibly proud of that. Uh, you know, I, I developed uh, a really strong and positive relationship with the with the orchestra uh, mm. and the staff, um, and th- that's not always the case with the mm. orchestras where where there can be a them versus us mentality that mm-hmm. uh, that is kind of uh, you know and we're seeing that in the world at the moment with Chicago musicians Chicago, Chicago Symphony Orchestra musicians currently on strike okay um, um, and, uh, and so it was important for me to build a, a strong relationship with them and mm-hmm. build a really positive culture within the organization mm-hmm. um, and I'm pleased to say that I did that and and you know the the orchestra um, I'm delighted to say were genuinely sorry to see me go which is right. Which was very humbling. Sure. Uh, at the time, uh, and through that building of a strong culture, we we were able to to kind of create a you know a, a strong performance culture. Mm-hmm. Uh, to see, so to see the orchestra develop and grow and and to to be now performing um, at the highest possible level, they are absolutely a world class orchestra. Mm-hmm. Um, and to to see the pride that they have in the the quality of what they're doing and mm-hmm. and that confidence grow and. And to see them, um, you know, on the tour to China, uh, receiving standing ovations uh, from the Chinese audience—a very knowledgeable mm-hmm. uh, Chinese audience—in in the the opening of the Beijing Music Festival and and Shanghai Symphony Hall, uh, to see that standing ovation and the response from a uh, from an audience mm. to to the orchestra mm. as a as a real validation of yep, you guys are absolutely world class. Uh, so those things are, are, are incredibly um, uh, important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think most important is is the work that we did with, with making the the West Australian in, in Symphony Orchestra uh, more accessible and relevant to the the broader WA community. Right. And, uh, and really, you know, the the the, the mission of the organisation was to touch souls and enrich lives through music. Okay. Um, and we we I think we absolutely did that, and and um, I, I'm particularly thinking of in the the final months of my time there. Uh, we ran a program called Crescendo, which was uh, uh, an El Sistema-inspired uh, music education program uh, in two primary schools in uh, an area called Quinana, which is one of the most at-risk communities uh, in Australia. So okay. a high Indigenous, um, high, um, high migrant, um, um, some significant you know, social and, uh, and economic uh, disadvantage. Um, and the two schools had no music education program and no capacity for music education program. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, so Wazo um, uh, sought funding and um, through uh, private philanthropists and sponsors to set up a program in the in that school. It's been running for about four years now. Mm-hmm. Um, and the first lot of kids who'd gone through the program um, reached NAPLAN okay. at, at the end of end of last year. Um, and um, not only were, was it the the best result that the school had ever achieved mm-hmm. um, but that school achieved the best result in the in the entire district mm-hmm. um, and the principals pointed to the crescendo program as the key reason why um, 
this improve where, where this improvement had come from. Right. So that was incredibly pleasing and and rewarding. Fantastic. Yeah. Oh, that's excellent. So just to um, uh, dig a little deeper into the culture part, because mm. uh, you you know what am I most proud of? Culture. Um, mm. um, what is your stance on how to develop and maintain good culture? And what do you think are the lessons that perhaps uh, you've learnt within the arts environment that are transferable across into a more um, a traditional commercial business? Yeah, look, I think I don't know if there's too much difference between the two. I think it's it's it, obviously it needs to come from the top, and you need to you need to have a really clear idea as to a, as to one of the values um, that you as a as a leader uh, want to want to 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 champion mm-hmm. um, get buy-in from the the organization in relation to that but you have to live the values uh, and you have to be not only uh, not only do you have to live the values but you have to be seen to be living the values so is this what you're talking about you know value statements that are put in a chart and put on the wall or <laughs> is this more sort of an intrinsic um, Values-led orientation. Yeah, it's more intrinsic. Yeah, look, yes, it, the, there are those those elements where it is it mm. is um, identified, but it's really uh, coming together as an organisation, and that's what we did at Wazo and and what we'll do at QSO is is really coming together and, and going, what's important to us? Mm-hmm. You know, who who are who are we, mm-hmm. and how do we want to be viewed by the world? Mm-hmm. Um, kind of starting at that particular point, and how do we want to treat each other? How do we want to be treated? Mm-hmm. So we kind of get some basic understanding of. Of the kind of environment that we want to be, we want to operate in, mm-hmm. and then once you you get everyone on board in terms of uh, and participating in that process, then it's about making sure that people are, are held accountable mm-hmm. for that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what you find when people start to, when they have a say in what the what that what that culture is going to look like, mm. then they actually start to self uh, self reflect uh, mm-hmm. and to to challenge others who aren't living up to that. To that culture, mm-hmm. and that's when you know you're kind of getting in, getting mm-hmm. an entrenchment, right? In that. And so, I mean, when you were asking what's important to you, you know, a, a violinist versus an accounts receivable person in the back office, yeah. um, I imagine that at Basel they they want largely the same things: a good environment to work, where yeah. they feel trusted and respected, and uh, and safe, and so yeah. on. But I imagine there's also some things that you know are very different. Um, yeah, look, I think there's, from a, from a creative perspective, there's you know there is a there's a desire for for excellence, mm-hmm. uh, and there's a, a desire for innovation. Mm-hmm. Um, there's always a, a desire to be um, for that uh, opportunity for development and to be to, and, and to be um, rewarded uh, for that development mm-hmm. in, in some way. So they 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 want to particularly within an orchestra where you can come in and, and be in the, in the same chair for 30 years. I know. They want to feel that they, that they are valued as an individual mm-hmm. and as a musician now, mm-hmm. but also the opportunity to grow and to develop over mm-hmm. time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's amazing to think you know, people make that commitment to their mm. craft for so long. But then you think, well, if I'm a GP and I'm at the local medical centre, I might be there for 30 years, yeah. you know, talking to 20 people a day about having a cough. Yeah. So <laughs> at least with the artists, they, uh, they have new pieces of work to mm. uh, explore and, uh, and other people to perform mm. with and so on. Mm. But yes, I, I, you know, I talk about Groundhog Day, mm. it uh, would be quite amazing. And so um, uh, uh, what brought you back to Brisbane? Yeah, it was time, you know, 10 years um, mm. uh, at, I went to, I went to Perth, uh, 
My wife and I moved to Perth for three years. Right. So ended up, ended up spending 12 and a half years right. there. Um, so I think it was always in our plans to move back closer to mm-hmm. uh, closer to, to family. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were really just waiting for the right opportunity and, and the right time. Um, you know, I looked uh, earlier, uh, but it wasn't wasn't quite the right time to to, to leave uh, uh, Wazo. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2015, for example, we managed to uh, to secure the management rights of the, uh, the the Perth Concert Hall. So I was keen to bed that down right. and, and to and to ensure that that was a success for the organisation. This is where you're running all of the ticketing and everything. Yeah, ticketing and the venue right. and, and so forth. So, okay. Yeah, so so I wanted to bed that. So it wasn't the right time for the organisation mm-hmm. for a change. Um, and I really wanted to, from a personal perspective, see that through. Yep. I got through that. Um, then want to see my eldest son through high school did that. Right. And then it was like, okay, well, what are the opportunities? Right. Um, what's the next challenge going to be? Uh, what can bring me uh, back over to the, the east side of the country so I can be close to the family and, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, ensure that my children have a kind of a closer relationship with their grandparents sure. and, yep. and family and so forth. Right. It must have seemed absolutely a, a miracle of synchronicity uh, that at that time this vacancy became mm. available because like you were talking about earlier, you know, for every person in your orchestra there's probably, you know, um, hundreds of people who've graduated. Uh, there's only so many CEO roles mm. in significant arts organisations, isn't there? So uh, That's right. it's almost like perfect timing. Oh, absolutely, yeah. Ex- exactly right. You know, I, I pretty much kind of thought, okay, well, we'll get through... Uh, see my youngest through to the end of his uh, his uh, senior schooling, and yep. and then we'll look at what happens after that. But uh, yeah, the opportunity of the QSO came up exactly the right time. I was coming to ten years. I think that there is uh, an end point for CEOs, and, mm-hmm. and I think you know ten years felt, for me felt like okay, it's it's time for me sure. to have the next challenge. Yep. I think it's probably time for the organisation to have uh, a new voice mm-hmm. um, and some new leadership. Um, there was a change um, um, at, the, at the board, at the chair level. So it was, I think it was a good, a good mm-hmm. time for me to, uh, to make that step away. Uh, although I, I, I will um, miss the opportunity of spending more time working with Richard Goiter, uh, who took over as chair of Wazo. Uh, right. The short time I, uh, or the, the, first, the year that I spent uh, working with Richard was, uh, was very rewarding. Sure. He's, a, he's an, a, a, an amazing uh, business person. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, um, you know, one of those, I think, rare um, leaders who, whose EQ is as strong as his IQ. Right. Uh, so a, a really uh, impressive, impressive person. Oh, fantastic. And so uh, coming into QSO, uh, what was the mandate? Yeah, the, look, the mandate was really to do what I did, I'd done at Wazo. Right. You know, uh, in many ways it was uh, the uh, the challenges at, at QSO are, are, are the same as when I joined Wazo. You know, it's uh, there's been a lot of, of uh, change at the CEO mm-hmm. uh, level. Um, mm-hmm. So it was really about making sure that I uh, to create some stability mm-hmm. uh, and to provide strong leadership to mm-hmm. the organisation, mm-hmm. um, to build a, a, a really strong... Um, collaborative culture, a high-performance team culture, uh, and to continue the, the, the work that's already been started in mm-hmm. lifting the orchestra's um, uh, musical standards. They're already a wonderful, wonderful orchestra, and mm-hmm. for me now it's, it's uh, how do we make sure that the leadership, the artistic leadership going forward with, a, with a, the selection of a new uh, principal conductor and chief conductor in the next couple of years, mm-hmm. that we get the right ingredients in place in order to take the QSO to that next level. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's an interesting situation that, unlike being in a sort of commercial environment where you're 
you're, you've got a percentage of market share or you're looking at launching new products into new markets or these kind of you know quite specific goals if, if you sit down and you said okay if I'm looking at my goals for QSO mm. to be achieved in the next financial year how do you measure success yeah look, look in some ways we are doing exactly the, some of those things so right. we are, you know we are launching we do launch new products in the market yeah um, we are looking at how we can make the orchestra uh, much more uh, relevant and, and accessible to a broader population. You know, so we, we are, you know, we're always looking at, at things like we're doing uh, a concert later in the year with the Fundamentals, uh, uh, a rap outfit out of Newcastle. Okay. Um, you know, we do uh, movie concerts and so forth. So yep. we're looking at ways in which we can change people's perceptions of, mm -hmm. of uh, an orchestra and, mm -hmm. and find new products that will... Uh, target new markets mm -hmm. uh, but also so how, do you, how do you measure that is it because increased patronage or yeah right okay yeah. so um and is it because patronage is less than desired or is it because there's just opportunity to grow there's opportunity to grow right you know, i think it's uh i think there is uh, in the in the past uh, orchestras just kind of stuck to to what you know the classical sure. repertoire yeah uh, now increasingly it's about well you know what we have is we have you know 80 extraordinary musicians yep. uh, who, who can adapt and work in a range of different genres mm -hmm. so how do we utilize that and mm -hmm. i think that's the the benefit that a symphony orchestra has over a ballet company and an opera company for example they're pretty much stuck with doing opera and ballet mm -hmm. whereas um, a symphony orchestra can operate across a whole range of different genres mm -hmm. and therefore has uh, is able to open up a range of different markets mm -hmm. So let's look at, at how we can do that. How can we how can we certainly grow our audience for our classical uh, programs, and that's certainly a, a major focus for me. Mm -hmm. But also, how can we grow our audience more broadly mm. uh, using different repertoire and different products mm -hmm. um, to focus on different market segments? Mm. I imagine that would keep it um, really interesting for the musicians too. Yeah, absolutely. Although I, I guess that I imagine that in any orchestra there'd be some who would want to just stick to, you know, the old faithful. Uh, uh, whereas uh, last year, I know there was some really unconventional stuff that you guys were mm. doing. I didn't get the opportunity to go to any of that, but I went to a number of your um, concerts, and what amazed me was how many young people were there yeah. and how many people were there in jeans and a T-shirt, you yeah, know. Absolutely. Um, uh, and so for people who are listening, you know, who might have been a long, long time ago, i definitely recommend to go and check it out again. Mm. Uh, um but uh, those kind of initiatives sound fantastic. And then what about on the other side, the the philanthropy and the uh, corporate engagement mm. and those kind of things? Um, what are you doing? What are you excited about doing um, in, in that space? Yeah, look, I think that's a, it's a, it's really an untapped, uh, relatively uh, immature area for uh, for uh, the arts in Australia and and orchestras, um, and particularly I think because we've we've come out of a of a period of time. A significant period of time, most of our life, where we were uh, owned and operated by the ABC, so all of our funding came from the from oh, government. Okay. Uh, now, increasingly, um, uh, that percentage of government funding is decreasing. Mm -hmm. So, increasingly, we are we are reliant upon um, building those connections with the philanthropic community mm -hmm. uh, and the corporate community uh, to continue to to operate. Uh, and for us, you know, that's that comes back to the accessibility and the relevance, mm -hmm. um, and how we can you know tell the the narrative and, and construct a narrative and and then uh, tell the narrative about who we are and why we're important mm -hmm. um, and I'm re really enjoying that opportunity to to go and meet with um, you know our, our philanthropic supporters mm 
who are, and and potential supporters and starting to talk about you know my vision for the QSO and mm-hmm. you know how you know the exciting things that I think um, that uh, are in the future for the QSO and and looking at uh, at getting them to to come on board and and invest in this mm-hmm. extraordinary organisation and mm-hmm. invest in the the cultural life of of not only Brisbane but also Queensland mm-hmm. um, and uh, to understand you know, the important role that that the QSO plays within the mu- music ecosystem. Sure. You know, if there's a if there's a kid learning the piano or, or the the violin, mm-hmm. there's some way uh, a guarantee that they're being uh, touched by or have been touched by the QSO in some way. Whether it be that the uh, the their teacher is a member of the QSO, mm-hmm. a permanent, casual, mm-hmm. um, or has been taught by a, a permanent member or a casual member of the mm-hmm. of the QSO. Mm. Yeah, my son is. Uh, 11 and plays double bass and mm. uh, it's uh, hilarious seeing him try to lug this massive thing around <laughs> but uh, uh, I go and see him in his concerts and I kind of visualise him one day sitting in the QSO mm. uh, as most parents have these exalted dreams yeah. for their children and I know regional Queensland is very important too I mean mm. obviously Queensland is a very big state and uh, and you guys do a lot of stuff regionally, don't you? We do. We do absolutely. Look, we take the we take the our name as being the Queensland Symphony Orchestra very seriously. Mm-hmm. You know, we're not the Brisbane Symphony Orchestra, so it's where it's very important for us. And, and the QSO has a long track record of deep engagement within the community, uh, the regional communities, and it's something that um, uh, I'm very focused about and and uh, and uh, really want uh, us to continue to grow and to develop that not only from a concert point of view, but but also about identifying, mm. you, know, in, you know, you know, gifted instrumentalists within uh, uh, the regions and and providing them pathways uh, mm-hmm. into uh, into the profession, um, or simply just providing that pure enjoyment and mm-hmm. and escape that uh, that, that wonderful music mm-hmm. uh, can provide. I imagine the logistics of getting an orchestra to Townsville at Mount Isa must be pretty interesting. Yeah, look, it is, <laughs> it, it is, uh, and look, that's where it's become. You know, we need to think about. You know what's the right model for mm. for each of the each mm. of the areas. Um, you know, in some some locations, the the best model may be a, a you know a string ensemble, right? Um, rather than taking the entire orchestra um, and embedding them in the community for for a week and doing workshops in in schools and and mm-hmm. community concerts and uh, and working with the teachers, um, the the string teachers in those communities. So it's about trying to work out what's what is the community. How can we best serve the community? Um, what do they need, mm. um, and what's the best delivery model for mm. them? Okay, and I note um, in 2015 you went to INSEAD. Mm. Um, was that a situation where you just felt you um, needed to broaden your professional development as a CEO, or you know, what was your motivation for doing that? Yeah, look, it's something that I'm always very keen to do. Is you know, I, I, I never, I, I never want to stop learning yep. and, and developing as a as a leader. Um, so I had a wonderful opportunity um, that uh, was uh, afforded to me by uh, by Wazo to mm-hmm. to go and spend a month doing the advanced management program at INSEAD mm-hmm. uh, to really you know just as a kind of a um, yeah just uh, really is purely personal and professional mm-hmm. development. And that was a residential program. Residential program. Whereabouts? Uh, Fontainebleau, okay. so, which is about an hour outside of Paris. Right. Um, so there were seventy two uh, C suite executives. Mm-hmm. For, uh, from uh, about f- thirty-five different countries Fantastic. and and, array, uh, and the uh, vast array of different uh, mm. um, industries. Mm. So I, I was the only person from the arts uh, right. that was there. And okay. Every conceivable industry was was, right. was pretty much represented. Yeah. Look, my friends uh, have a number of uh, friends who've done the Harvard residential mm. program and. 
quite honestly, it has absolutely strapped a rocket to their career. Yeah. Um, it's amazing the uh, how highly it's regarded. Mm. Also, you know, in such a short period of time, four weeks, eight weeks, yeah. you know, the, the skills you develop, but not only that, just the network uh, yeah. of um, your cohort. Mm. Uh, you probably, you know, have got somewhere to stay all around the world yeah, now if you exactly. want to. Yeah. Good stuff. So let's look towards the future now. So... Mm. Um, what are you excited about for QSO um, over, say, the next five years mm. and, and also for your own career? Yeah, look, um, I, I guess I, my, my focus is always um, on the organisation that I'm leading at the particular time. And, mm-hmm. and I guess my, from, a, from a career perspective, I always feel that, that if, if the former is working, then the latter will follow. Mm-hmm. So if, if the next five years are very successful for the QSO, then, then that will that will naturally uh, enhance my career. Sure. Um, but I don't kind of focus on the career so much um, uh, in the first instance. Look, I'm really excited about the things I spoke about before. I'm, I'm excited about um, what we as, a, as an organisation can do in, in, um, in you know, getting the recognition for the QSO on the world stage for the quality of what we are. And mm-hmm. uh, I'm excited about the... the um, the selection and, uh, and recruitment of, of our, our next uh, artistic leader and and, uh, and what that will mean for the organisation and the, the work that they'll do in building on the, the extraordinary success of, of, uh, of Alondra's tenure mm-hmm. at the QSO um, and seeing the, that that growth and uh, of, and pride of, of the musicians as they as they themselves discover just how good they they actually are as mm-hmm. the world does um, and I'm excited about you know. What we will, what the QSO will mean to the people of Queensland in mm. five years' time, you know, the the, the program the, of activities that we will roll out, which will make the QSO an essential part of the community mm-hmm. uh, and be recognised as a as a really important civic citizen. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm excited about how how we will be viewed uh, as an organisation and the the trust um, and the affection um, that uh, a, a larger number of of the members of the community will have towards the QSO. Oh, well, that's fantastic. Um, and so before we wrap it up, uh, because I know you're a very busy man, we've talked a lot about your work and, and business and career, but, you know, what's uh, what's Craig like outside of work? What sort of things do you enjoy to do uh, uh, in your leisure time and holidays and so on? Yeah, look, I'm, a, I'm a, a, very, uh, a very strong family man, so I spend a lot of time with my family when I'm not at work. Um, and, um, you know, and, and increasingly, uh, I, I'm, I'm now going to be spending a lot of time with my family, um, uh, watching my 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 much loved Brisbane Lions. All right. Um, so I, I, I took um, I didn't have very many opportunities because uh, uh, in Perth um, the football the football teams over there had more members than they had seats in the stadium. So oh, really? I've, wow. uh, uh, until the the, the the new stadium's a little bit different, but right. prior to that, so I didn't get the very uh, a chance to go to the football as, as often as I would like. Okay. Uh, but I've already been to the first game of the Lions. So right. I took my family as, uh, uh, and I have to say the boys are now converted. Okay. Um, so we'll be coming uh, members of the of the Brisbane Lions and oh, getting really? to as many wow. games as we possibly can. Fantastic. So I love watching sport. Um, um, continue to have that passion for sport and, mm-hmm. and engagement. Um, my kids love basketball, so I've been getting in, involved in, okay. in watching them and, and um, uh, being involved in, in as much as I possibly can. It's, isn't it interesting as we get older and our kids get older, yours are obviously a bit older than mine, but it, life starts to you know become central around them. Mm. You know, next week is school holidays and... Uh, it's uh, it's thinking about you know the activities and the stuff to do to entertain yeah. the kids uh, uh, 
It's a, it's a, it's a weird time of life. <laughs> it is. It is, yeah. Look, and, and, and you know, one of the, my favourite places in all the world is Sunshine Beach. Uh, right. Um, so and we're heading up there for Easter. Fantastic. So looking forward to that. Looking uh, forward to spending much more time uh-huh. um, yeah, up that up that area Right. Uh, now that we're back in Queensland. Oh, good on you. Well, one of my favourite places is Byron, and that's where I'm going for Easter. So, uh, Excellent. I'm we'll, there next week. Oh, uh, are you? For, for Very my niece's good. wedding. All right. Well, look, before we wrap it up, is there anything uh, you'd like to add or anything we haven't discussed that you were hoping to? No, I think I think we've covered uh, quite, a, quite a lot of ground. Oh, that's excellent. Well, thank you very much for your time, and have a fantastic afternoon. Thanks very much, Richard. We hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Arate Podcast with Richard Treeks. For show notes and other resources, please visit aratepodcast.com. While you are there, you can subscribe for future episodes so you can continue your own journey towards realizing your full potential as a senior executive. And please be sure to share this and other episodes with your friends and colleagues. The Arate Podcast is brought to you by the Experts On Air Podcast Network.